0: Okay, test testing on sound, are we okay on sound? There is a uh, refund policy on leaders. If you're not happy, (laughs) we do take them back uh, for a small price and then we put them somewhere else. So if you're not happy with Ben and Jess, just let me know on the way out. (laughs) Or we could take a vote now actually if we would like. (laughs) It's really good to be with you and um, Heather and I have the privilege of uh, sort of praying for you regularly as a church and uh, it's always great when you actually get to meet the church and see all that God's doing. It's nice to see a a lovely full room and hear the stories and just to be at Bradley Stoke and uh, you just feel that God's with this church in a remarkable way and uh, we want to serve you well this morning. Um, Just one little announcement or notice is West Point is coming up, you're not expecting surprised at me saying that. This year our lineup includes Hannah Anderson, a Bible teacher from America who's amazing. Andrew Wilson will also uh, be up there, as will Andy McCulloch. So I think it's a pretty good lineup and one you won't want to miss. So uh, encourage you to do that. Um, <clears throat> it's the start of the year. And I did this at Bradley Stoke and it, it was quite Discouraging. How many people have made any New Year's resolutions for this year? There's only two people about. Oh, well done. There's a few more. Well done. How are you getting on? Sometimes uh, a New Year, you think, right, I'm going to sort my diet, I'm going to sort my weight, I'm going to sort my exercise, I'm going to sort my finances, and we turn over new leaves and we really, tr- we're at a moment still. It's only the 13th. We're still trying hard but maybe not doing so well. Um, How about any New Year's resolutions for the church? Any aspirations and hopes for this church and for your part in the church? Um, I, I wondered how you'd feel about this being the best year this church has ever known. You want that? Nah, business as usual, guy. Just let it tick on. Or would you like a year where God moves in extraordinary ways? Healings and miracles. Actually, you can't put all the people in the room because there are people coming in because they want to touch God. And so many leaders, men and women being raised up, you're you're doing a site here and a plant here, and wow, we've still got a year where the finances just keep rolling in. Would you like that? Would you like a year where your marriage flourishes, your kids do well at school, your kids that are backslidden and come back to God? Because I believe with all my heart, God wants this church to flourish. And for this church to flourish, it means you as individuals will flourish. And we as together, as a family of churches, we call Commission New Frontiers, flourish. And in case you think I've had too much uh, Pepsi Cola on the way up or any other substance that I'm living in this dream world I believe it is written throughout scripture God wants his church and his people to flourish flourish in their work flourish in their business flourish in the hospital flourish in their school flourish wherever they are because God is a God of flourishing the whole of the Bible begins and ends with flourishing it begins and ends with a garden in the book of genesis when you open the book of genesis you find that god creates a perfect man and a perfect woman and he says to them here's a job i've got for you be fruitful be multiply and fill the earth subdue it but take care of this garden I've given you authority, and I want you to not. It wasn't a beautifully prepared garden; it was a garden they had to make ready for God. They would walk in this garden. They had to make paths. They had to prune. They had to identify plants. And into this garden, they had choices. There was two trees: the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and tree of life. And they could eat every fruit of that tree of the trees, bar the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know the story. We know. They succumbed to temptation of the enemy and they fell into sin. They brought death into this world and destruction. They brought a desert situation into this world. And we know as we follow the story, as we read through the narratives, that God is constantly saying to his people, I'm going to lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to be transformation agents in my world. Wherever you go, I want to bring flourishing fig trees. Sitting under your fig tree, flourishing. And even when the people of God turned their back on God, he would talk again and again about what his heart was for them. No better put than the psalmist in the very beginning of the psalms, in Psalm 1. That person will be the person who puts God first, who puts his word first. These people will be people like trees planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do, prospers. Whatever you do this year, God wants you to prosper. Do you want to prosper this year? God wants you to. Psalm 115, verse 14 and 15. This is my prayer for you. This is Heather and my prayer for you. It's at the beginning of this new year. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed By the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. You know, as we were praying for you the other day, I was reminded by that uh, riddle in the old—the only riddle in the Bible. Out of the strong, something sweet; out of the eater, something to eat. A riddle given by Samson, talking about a lion, and into the carcass of a dead lion, the swarm of bees had come and found their nest and honey was now dripping and I felt this for you as a church you are coming into a season of untold sweetness that what might have happened in the past whatever your last year's experience as an individual as a church might have been you might think well that has had to die or that that thing that was so good is no longer around I believe the heart of God to speak to you as a church is actually you are going to be like a swarm of bees There's going to be honey dripping from this church. This swarm is going to go over Bristol. And wherever this swarm lands in Bristol, there will be sweetness. There will be the touch of heaven upon earth. That is God's heart, I believe, for you. And so this morning I want you to think of Kew Gardens. How many of you have been to Kew Gardens? I bet there's a few more. Yeah, a few more hands. Kew Garden has 800 people who work in Kew Gardens to make it the gardens it is. And it's a beautiful, beautiful garden, isn't it? There's, there's beautiful big trees, there's the jungle, there's the sort of arid, sort of desert-like with the cacti and all kinds of plants, roses and nurseries and little tiny plants and huge, great, big plants. It's a great picture to think of the church. You know, visitors... Flock to Kew Gardens. If you want to have visitors flocking to this church, guess what? You have got to flourish. You've got to be someone who is just enjoying the presence of God, drawing your strength from God. Your leaf does not wither. You are bearing fruit and the crowds will come because they want to taste what God is doing in your life. And so think Kew Gardens. And then when you think Kew Gardens, the one thing you'll notice if you ever go to London, that is, is you can't just walk into Kew Gardens. Hey, fancy a walk around Kew Gardens today? There's a ticket office. There's a price. When we think about entering into a life of flourishing, entering into all that God wants for us, there is a key to getting into that life, into that kingdom. And Jesus, as he comes and he begins his earthly ministry, I want you to follow this, He announces a kingdom, and he announces a way into that kingdom. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please. I'd like to keep your Bibles open, just so that we can uh, follow this. In Matthew chapter 4, it says this from verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent. For the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, has come near. The way into God's kingdom is repentance. It is doing a U-turn. It is an abandonment of sin and self and an alignment with God. It is driving down one road and saying, this isn't the road God chose me to. I am going to turn. I'm going to turn around, metanoia, change my mind and align my life to God. Repent, says Jesus, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you want to say, God, I'd love to enter into more of flourishing for this church, I tell you what, you can't do it unless you repent. So Jesus continues about this. He says, uh, verse um, 23 of chapter 4, Jesus goes through Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain and demon possession, those having seizures, and paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And Jesus, seeing the crowds, goes up onto a mountainside, sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth." Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to say this this morning, you will never ever, if you're not a Christian here or maybe not a Christian for a very long time, you'll never understand Jesus unless you understand the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew puts it. You see, when the Jesus says, repent, kingdom of heaven is here, the Jews of his time wouldn't go, kingdom of heaven? Isn't that a film? Did we not see a film about that? The Jews of Jesus' time were longing, waiting, hungering for this day. You see, when the first man and first woman were kicked out, bounced out of the garden, there was a promise that God gave to his first children, Adam and Eve. There was a promise that one would come from their line who would be a king. A child would be born, a son would be given, and the government would be on his shoulder and he would bring about God's rule and God's reign. And so they longed and they hungered through every generation to see a king that would emerge, that would rule in God's stead and bring God's authority and rule to the earth. Bring this state of flourishing to their nation, to Israel. And nowhere do we find that hungering and that clarity of vision more clearly than when we come to the book of Daniel. When the people of Israel had rebelled against God and been taken into captivity, and in that place of captivity serving a king who was wicked, a king who, yes, he built the Hanging gardens of Babylon, but he brought all kinds of evil and murder and strife and warfare to the world in which he lived. And serving under him a young man, a man called Daniel, Who hears one day that the king has had a terrible dream and he won't tell anybody what the dream was. But all the wise men, all the prophets were going to be put to death unless they could tell the king what the dream was. And Daniel, God speaks to him and says, go to the king and I'll explain everything. And he comes into the king's presence and he explains to the king, here's what you dreamt. You dreamt a huge statue, it had a head of gold, it had a chest and arms of silver, it had thighs and things of bronze and feet of clay. That's what you dreamt. And the king says, you're right, it's exactly what I dreamt. What does it mean? And in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel interprets, you, O king, are the king of gold, the head of gold. You, O king, your majesty, are the king of kings. But in your dream, majesty, you saw a stone not cut by human hands that rolled down a hill and smashed this statue until it became chaff on a threshing floor. You need to know that after you, king, another kingdom will arise. And in the last days, a king, it says in verse 44, in the time of kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. So, Daniel explains to the king, every generation will have a kingdom, a king and a kingdom. But they won't endure. Donald Trump, he'll go. Some say sooner than later, but he'll go. Theresa May, every king, every good or bad king, every good or bad government and president, prime minister, they come and they go, but there is a kingdom that Daniel saw and that that Jesus announces that is going to grow grow and grow and grow and grow and fill the whole earth. It's going to be the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and its rule and reign is not to oppress people but it is to bring people into freedom, into life, into joy, into the very presence of the king of kings and the lord of lords. So you need to understand this morning, ask the same question Jesus asked of those first disciples, which kingdom are you building? Because there are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world which will perish and the kingdom of heaven which will grow and grow and grow and grow and and last forever. Which kingdom are you building? We want a year of flourishing. Well, I'll tell you, if you're going to build this kingdom, you'll be left with chaff. You want to do your thing, build your empire, you want to be on the throne, I'll tell you, you'll be left with chaff. A day will come and it will be swept away. Everything you've achieved, your great... Achievements, your great reputation, all the things that you've done for ego sense, that will go. But everything you do for this kingdom will grow and last and spread and keep on spreading and will last for all eternity. And Jesus says, as we enter into the Sermon of the Mount, this is how you live in this kingdom. This is how you enter into this kingdom. Two words we are just going to focus on briefly to this morning. We're going to just look at one beatitude. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed. The word is makarios. The Greek word makarios, it means flourishing really important we understand this because Jesus didn't say hey I want you all to be happy some some Christians they seem to live this God just wants me to be happy I'm not happy therefore I can sin therefore I can do things my way because I'm not happy well God is interested in you flourishing he's interested in you bearing fruit for him for growing into everything he's put you on planet earth to do he's not interested if whether you have a good day or a bad day whether you're happy or unhappy he's interested in you being blessed and flourishing And he says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. How many of you would like to say and understand the people of God, the church of the living God will inherit the earth? We will. It's a certainty because of Christ's finished work. He's asked his father for the nations of the world. The nations of the world will come and bow the knee before King Jesus because he is the only king. He is the righteous one. He is the judge of the whole earth. He's paid a price for all men to be made to, to know the Father, to come into the presence of God. He's the great one. He's the fascination, the adoration. He is our king. And as we worship him, as we give him our allegiance, so we, we understand that the kingdom of God starts to spread in our life and affects other people. So, If you are to enter into your inheritance, which is the earth, then Jesus says this, you need to be meek. Well, he's already said two things. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You need to understand this. The the, the attitudes are progressional. So if you're going to flourish, you need to start where God starts. The poor in spirit are people who have died. People who said... I can never please God, I'm on death row, I'm a sinner, I I have no hope whatsoever, I am poor in spirit, I'm a pauper on the streets and I need grace. And God says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that there is grace, whoever calls on his name can be saved. It's wonderful, the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom of heaven through Christ's finished work. Blessed are those who mourn, we mourn by baptizing people. It's a funeral service. A baptism is a funeral service. We put up a thing. Ben Welshman died that day in history when he became a Christian. We commemorate it. We put him under the water. Some of they hold him under the water. But we put him under there temporarily and bring him up again because we celebrate the old Ben Welshman has died. The new Ben Welshman is now alive. He's a new creation. Mm -hmm. Now, how's he going to live? He's going to live, next one, meekly. Meekly. If I was a disciple of Jesus, I would have said something like, hang on, look, we've seen Rome, and we've seen how Rome wins the whole earth. It rules by pomposity. By might, by imperious, haughty, superior spirits, by autocratic, brazen, boastful, authoritarian rule. That's how you inherit the earth, Jesus. And Jesus no, 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 that's this kingdom over here. You don't want to be part of this kingdom. You want to inherit the whole earth. You have to be meek. So what is meekness? And it's a great Bible study. I'd encourage you to go and do a Bible study. I've spent hours on this and still don't really know everything it contains But it's more than humility. It's humility with action. It's the very Philippians 2 description of Jesus Christ, who is the description of meekness, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself. Nothing. That's meekness. It's true humility. It will lower itself for the glory of God and for the sake of others. That's what I'm asking you to do today, at the beginning of this year. You want to enter into flourishing? You need to become meek. You need to not only just say, To God, Look, I'm poor. My marriage is a mess. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I've never grown. I feel like everyone labels me. I feel like I made a mistake. I feel like the past holds me back. No, Jesus says the meek, when you begin meek, you can inherit everything God wants for you. You don't have to be pot bound. You don't have to be limited. You can come into the fullness of goodness and grace of God and flourish this year because you're not just going to hear this word that God's speaking to you this morning, you're going to put it into action. Meekness could be described as gaining by losing. In fact, it's a good Bible study to look at the whole of the Sermon on the Mount and ask you a question, how many things are there? If I'm going to gain this, what do I need to lose? And here's the... Here's the warning or the negative of what I'm going to say. When you stub your big toe, it's very interesting. If I stub my toe now, my whole body is just worried about my toe. My body, my brain isn't saying. Well, the hand's doing pretty well at the moment. No, my, my whole body's saying the toe is ah, 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 ah. it's throbbing, it's hurting, it needs to be looked after. We can live in such a way in this world that we never ever realise we're living in the in the ways of the world rather than a dependency and an obedience on the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And it's only when we stub our toe and ego is touched that we suddenly realize we're living, in an, we're living in the wrong kingdom. We're acting out the wrong kingdom. And it works like this. It's just an illustration. You, uh, you get into a conversation with someone afterwards and you, you get onto the subject of education. And you say to someone, well, yeah, I had a pretty good childhood actually. I, uh, I went to grammar school. Nice grammar school and I got... 7 O levels, grade A to C. The person says, What do you do after that? <laughs> well, I had good parents, and my parents encouraged me to go to university where I studied medicine. Wow! And after that, well, I went through university with flying colors. In fact, I am now a doctor, a GP, and I earn sixty thousand pound a year and then we make the mistake we all do this after a Sunday and we have a cup of tea and what do you do or what did you do well do you know I went to Eton and I got 10 a stars ah. and then my parents sent me to Oxford where I passed out as the top student in my year and my job well I'm a professor emeritus I earn 200,000 pound <laughs> let's talk to someone else I'm fed up with that conversation ego screams to be noticed We want to put ourselves at the center of every conversation. It's what will I get out of church? What will church do for me? And the kingdom of God isn't like that. The kingdom of God is I come to church on a Sunday because I'm interested in you. I want you to flourish. I'm here as a servant of Christ that you might flourish. My prayer before I come is, God, make me a blessing. Let me be water to someone's life. Let me be a pruning shears so that I might cut something back so that they may grow and flourish and have fruit in their life. Everything in the kingdom of heaven is gaining by losing. You have to lose your life in order to gain the kingdom. And so let me finish by giving you a few examples. Let's go straight after Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes, Salt and Light is titled in your Bible. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made good again? We don't have to try and keep God up. God is in us. That means we provoke the world. The world won't like us. No matter how nice we are. But one of the things we mustn't do is we mustn't so water down our faith and the truth of our faith to try and fit into that world when we don't fit in anyway that we compromise the gospel. All roads lead to Rome. Hey, let's all live and be happy. No, Jesus is the only way. I'm sorry, he is the only way. There's no other saviour that has died for my sins so that I can be reconciled to a righteous God. There is no other God, but one God, Yahweh, and Jesus has made a way to him. I can't water that down. You can't water it down. You want to see loads of people saved, you've just got to stand up sometimes and say, I'm sorry. You may think that, you may believe that, but the Bible says, Jesus is Lord. You gain saltiness by losing compromise. You gain grace By losing legalism. Verse 17 and the verses that follow. Don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Jesus shows what perfect obedience to the law looked like. He doesn't become a Pharisee. He becomes a person that draws the tax collector and the sinner. Here's the challenge for you. Do you know why so few Christians, non-Christians are going to church? because they're encountering law they're encountering Pharisees I thank God I'm not like you we're nice around here we're middle-class you ever thought about that why the church is so middle-class in the UK because we're legalistic we look down our noses at the poor and the despised and the downtrodden Heather and I have the privilege of sitting on the streets of London with homeless people did so this week they've got nothing they got nothing they know they've got nothing. You can talk about Jesus' as, easy as anything. If you ever want to say, I'm not very really good at sharing the gospel, go and talk to a homeless person. You get loads of opportunities. Prayed for this guy this week. And when you're actually there, it always, always comes to me, but for the grace of God, that is me. It is, it's me. And God rescued me. Oh, because i did anything right he rescued me because of his great love and he loves this person and therefore i can reach out and sit and pray with this person and be equal to this person because god loves them and he wants to draw them into his loving kindness legalism is like bad breath everyone knows it but you There's loads of gaining by losing. Gain reconciliation by losing procrastination. I love the fact that if your brother sins against you, go show him his sin. Just between the two of you. So many Christians fall out with other Christians. This could be a year of reconciliation. Why? Because you're going to stop putting off, stop blaming, stop procrastinating, stop justifying. That's all part of this kingdom. No, you're in this kingdom of meekness and you're going to say, I know this, my brother might have something against me. I'm going to go show him my sin. I'm going to go and be reconciled this year because I care more about the glory of God for this church than I do my own pride and my own personal ambition. Let me just run through a few others, and you can do, look at these. When you gain intimacy by losing lust, if your eye causes you sin, pluck it out, says Jesus. Wait, we've watered that down now, thank you. We're living in this kingdom. This kingdom says we all talk about sex. A bit naughty, but we all talk about it. This kingdom, we're all prudish. No, no, this kingdom is where sex began. Between a husband and a wife. A beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. The church should be proclaiming it from the rooftops that sex is good because God made it. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to go into this world where it's dirty and messy and you know all kinds of horrible things. Carry. No, it's beautiful and holy and righteous. And therefore, we mean to be radical, plucking out eyes and cutting off hands, not literally, but metaphorically when we gather, when we hear the Word of God. And I want to do the Word of God because in the Word of God, I'm going to come into flourishing. My marriage will get better. Pornography, my marriage will get worse and worse and worse and worse because I'm believing a lie. No, in this kingdom, my marriage can become more intimate, more beautiful, more loving. There's a whole list. They'll come up behind. Gain integrity by losing oaths, gain family by losing identity. There's a whole load. All I would say to you this morning is if you want this church to flourish, if your heart this morning is, Guy, I want to flourish this year. I want this year to be one of the best years of my spiritual life. If I'm going to take another step on the journey, as we hear that prophetic word, I'm going to take this another step. You have to leave behind in order to enter in. I'm a keen gardener. What I do at this time of year is I go out into my garden and I pick up the pots and I pull the plant out. And the plant usually is loads and loads and loads of root. And I break those roots up, I pull them apart, and I put them into a new pot, and new soil, so this year that plant can flourish. I'm here today to speak to pot-bound believers. Last time you saw someone saved, last time you increased your giving, last time you went and apologized to another brother in the church, Last time you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Last time you encountered God and and just repented. When was the last time you repented? You did a U-turn. Oh, we all know where he is. We all know what she says about that. No, when was the last time you actually said, no, I'm not going to carry on like that because this is a year for the kingdom of God and I'm going to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in obedience and meekness to the word of God this morning. So I'm appealing to you, pot-bound believers, a year of change. A year of transformation, a year of flourishing. How? Repent. Lose. Lose this kingdom to enter into this kingdom. Why don't you stand in the presence of God and worship band if you want to come up? I want to pray for you. Let's just be in the presence of God. I believe as we. Just finish this meeting as we just turn our hearts to God again in our worship. I believe God wants change. I believe God wants to bring out of death sweetness, honey. You may say, well, I, that means I need to change. Yeah, that's, that's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Just You just do business with God. And those of you caught in old pot bound living this is a year of change for you those of you caught up in unforgiveness in lust in in money and mammon pleasing the kingdom of of this world this is a year for you to lose that to gain the kingdom of heaven and i pray lord jesus as we listen to the great teacher you lord as you taught these wonderful beatitudes i pray soften every heart We want to see so much more, Lord. There must be more than this. There must be... And it begins with us, and so I say revive us, speak to us. May our hearts this morning be quick to turn from evil and from the wrong kingdom and enter into the kingdom of God that we might know your hand of blessing poured out on this church for souls to be saved, for healings to be occurring, for people to be filled with the Spirit, for joy to be our strength. I pray, come Holy Spirit on City Church Bristol and make it a year of unparalleled growth, unparalleled fruitfulness, unparalleled sweetness flowing out out of each and every life. I pray you'd begin it in each of our hearts this morning for the glory of your son's name, Father. We pray for the glory of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's worship him together.